It's Friday, October 16th, 2020, and you're listening to episode 553 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 59 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. And I'm Brodor. All right. So only thing today that we'll call loosely announcements is three URLs we want to remind you that exist. One is if you want to hear Mo Brodor, there's two places you can go for that. One of them is Fear the Boots Patreon, where right before this episode, a negative episode was recorded and released. So you can find that at patreon.com slash fear the boot, all one word. The second place you can find Modor <laughs> is at goinfo.org, which is his personal sort of pet project where he's doing industry reporting and kind of the who's who of gaming with there's podcast episodes, there's blog entries, there's crazy conspiracy theories. I had a wonderful compliment. Thomas, is it Childress? I believe is his name. And if Thomas, if I'm getting it wrong, I'm going to no, ask there, there is a Tom Childress. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I reached out to him via the Facebooks and said, hey, thanks for basically paying attention. Uh, <laughs> he gave me a very, very nice compliment about my Gen Con article. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. Nice. And then the third one is for someone who's not here right now, which is if you want to see more Wayne, in addition to seeing more Wayne at Patreon, where Wayne does a bunch of, he does a little bit of writing and he also every week puts out a Game Notes episode, mm-hmm. which is like an extra episode where we get a little confessional, but Wayne is heading that up, and he does some polls and other such. You can find that at Patreon. But in addition to that, he talks about his life and uh, does some other stuff over at waynecole.net, and I'll put a link to that mm-hmm. in the show notes, uh, particularly because I am now suddenly second-guessing whether it's net or com, and I'm pretty sure it's not net. Yeah, and it's C-O-L-E, not Cole, yeah, C-O-A-L. yeah, it's it's Wayne W. Well, you know, it's well Wayne, and then yeah. Cole C O L E dot net. I have been listening to game notes in preparation for recording my own game notes to submit to Wayne and Chad. I have to say, both of your episodes were excellent, Thank particularly you. episode two, because you admit something that I've never heard you admit, mm-hmm. and it is a problem that I too have myself, mm-hmm. but. I'm not going to say what it is because you have to go listen. <laughs> That's right. Well, Being sexually attracted it. to elk. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's behind the paywall of Patreon. Chad admits in the second episode he did that when things go off the rails, my words, not his, mm-hmm. he blames his players. I'm totally that guy. Right. right. I mean, when the game's f-ed up man, it is never my fault, at least initially. <laughs> yeah. It's always the player's oh, fault. You guys are sociopaths. I'm the, I am 100 percent the opposite. Now, well, see, you need to listen to the episode, though. Because it's really good. It's two episodes. About Sorry, two- Wayne, we're breaking the rule. It's supposed to be preserved behind the paywall. That's right. Well, yeah. it, it's, it's about two different kind of people. And one kind of person blames themselves yeah and the other kind of person blames everyone else when things go wrong and they they run a game and it is about how to deal with that and what should be done and it's all about the emotion in the moment and, such. Huh. and the role of illicit narcotics and getting you straight <laughs> they get me regularly straight sir <laughs> <laughs> all right so the topic we're going to talk about today is the impact that COVID is or could be having on your gaming life. Now, I'm going to set a couple parameters here on this discussion. 
And please follow these when you're commenting on this, whether it's on Patreon, whether it's on our front page blog, Facebook, Discord, wherever you're at. I hope you will follow these as well. First of all, we are not commenting on the exact medical nature of the disease. We are not qualified to do so. And it's a lot of rabbit trails and whatever that we don't want to get caught up on. Secondly, we are not going to discuss the politics of it. Right. We don't care who you blame for it or whatever your issue is there. That's fine. I'm not saying it's not an important issue. I'm just saying it's not if you're the boot issue. Yeah. This is a gaming podcast. This is an NPR. So we're not going to try to unpack that. We are also not going to get caught up in trying to tell you how to be safe. Can you get together with your friends or should you stay a mile apart with scuba suits on? We're not, we're not going down that rabbit trail because that's once again, not what we want to talk about. What is undeniable is that there is a social reality to this that people are changing the way they interact with each other. Industries are being impacted by this. And regardless of what you believe about the disease or best course of reaction or any of that, these are things I don't think any reasonable human being can argue are true, that it is affecting our lives and affecting businesses and so on and so forth. And so we want to explore that angle of it. Now, another thing I'm going to lay out right now, I don't want to hammer on this in the show, but I'm also not going to take it off the table. So I realize there's going to be a lot of people that are going to jump straight to, well, just game online. And there are other people who are going to say, I don't like online gaming. And then the first people may come back and say, well, suck it up, buttercup, and just deal with it. Okay, there, I just had that debate <laughs> for you, not you know, this table, but just for everyone in general, we're done with it. We are going to talk mm. about it is valid for people to not want to game online, or mm. let me also stress for people to not be able to game online because they might live in an area where they don't have stable internet connection. Like North County, St. Louis. I, yeah, Broder's yeah. having trouble, and he lives in a major metropolitan area. Julia lives in St. Louis County. She has serious internet issues. So you don't have to be out in the boonies to experience this. There can just be a bad drop to your subdivision or your apartment block or whatever. It's kind of hard to game online when you sound like a robot at a rave. And then there are people who may not like it. So, But let's stress again, there are people who cannot do it. All right. So once again, we are going to talk about that a little because that's a fair argument. Mm -hmm. Because what's gaming about? As we always say... The only way you fail at gaming is by not having fun. So if you don't like gaming online, or maybe you prefer gaming online, Mm -hmm. this is part of you succeeding by having fun. So let's just skip that debate as well. And we're going to push past that. I mean, I can turn off my mic and rub (laughs) one out underneath my table and no one's the wiser. That's really the upside to online gaming. Huh. Except you're always so stoned, you forget. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. That's why. I mean, but I took copious notes before I oh, yeah. became a middle-aged pothead. <laughs> the things that we've watched you do, fortunately, never rub one out. But the things that we've watched you do, and the things we've heard you and Memory discuss during the Skies of Glass games, <laughs> we have learned a great deal about the Brodor domicile. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to me. I mean, I know this is about COVID, but for me, I want to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. 
online gaming is like f-ing with a condom on. I'll do it, but I'd rather not. Okay, well, let's let's hold that one, not the condom, but the other <laughs> part. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Let's start by talking about the ways in which we have directly observed COVID affecting our games. And Brodor, you coming from a background of retail and now through GoInfo, the, the Influence Foundation, talking to these industry insiders and stuff, what you're hearing from the business angle. And then we'll come back to talking about ways to solve this or maybe the fact that for some people it's impossible to solve. All right, so let's talk about the impact it's had on us first. So the easiest example I can give is in our Skies of Glass game. We used to play it in person on one terrible Omni microphone. (laughs) And I went out and bought most of the components to actually consolidate the two recording studios so we would have the studio quality mics. Everyone has their own mic, et cetera, et cetera, in the game room. And that's where we would also begin recording the regular episodes. Now that COVID has hit, because of some personal and family concerns, while it would be legal under the ordinances of St. Louis County for us to get together in person to game, some of our players have opted not to do it. Yeah. Now, it's partially out of concern for the disease, but it's also because of the fact that they have family members and such who are concerned about any potential exposure And so they're under a lot of pressure to keep their exposure very, very limited, keep that profile Mm -hmm. way down. And that's fine. And we respect that. But the result is now we've had to move it to an online game. And now instead of one terrible Omni mic, we have many terrible headset mics. (laughs) And my my headset mic's fantastic. (laughs) And people won't stop swapping gifts in uh, (laughs) Discord. That's a problem. And it's really, really difficult because... I mean, some of the stuff that gets put in there is just, it's brilliant. And I, I cannot <laughs> oh, maintain concentration when it's so eye-opening. <laughs> like the guy riding a skateboard while taking a dump? Uh, that was amazing. That was awful. <laughs> that was... But the reaction <laughs> gifts that we put in our, because when we game, when we game Skies of Glass, we record it through Zoom, but we also communicate and organize and do dice roll and stuff. Via a private Discord server. Well, yeah, because you have to have the real game. And if you you have to have Discord to play the real game or some chat function on Mm -hmm. the computer. Yeah. 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 I mean, what Discord suggestion? Because when I was creating a server for the Fear of the Boot actual play, just for us to use to organize and run the game, I was going to give it a little picture or something. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out what to do, but it wanted a title. So I typed in you know, Fear the Boot actual play or FTB actual play or something like that. And immediately, instead of a picture, puts FAP (laughs) as our channel icon. I'm like, huh. It is ordained. It is ordained. I can't change that. I Yeah, so it is forever FAP now. (laughs) Well, and I suspect it with the Skies of Glass game, it's never going to come back and be in person because it is going to end before oh, yeah. the COVID concerns yeah. have subsided. Yeah, which brings up the question of, so what do we do with the next game? Do we do, Because, for example, Chad does not really like gaming online, neither mm-hmm. does Brodor. I'm 60-40 where I can accept it, but it's not my preference. I don't know how the other players feel, so I won't comment. Maybe some prefer it this way. I don't know. But... 
the point is that, you know, we now have to decide do we want to go into the next major campaign mm-hmm. or because some players feel pretty strongly about preferring it in person, do we tread water with some one shots and mini campaigns until this COVID thing sorts itself out? I don't know. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. But once again, this is how it's affecting us. Now, Chad, in your, is it a Saturday or someone? When you Saturday. got a Saturday game? Mm-hmm. So in your Saturday game, you want to talk about what happened yeah. there? Without getting into people's privacy. Sure. And we, we can just say a player or something. Yeah. We, we don't need to name we, people. We had a couple of people who are at risk. Yeah. They're, they're at risk. And when you say lockdown, I mean, they are hard lockdown because they're at risk. Totally understandable. Absolutely 100% support behind that. But the rest of us, I mean, we're not in that situation. So we decided to pause that game. Mm-hmm. And we are gaming in person a different game, different game, different system, different characters, all that sort of thing. So our original campaign is just on pause. And then we get together about, I think, every other week. But then even in that game, and I'll be very careful mm-hmm. here to keep this confidential, there was a player who had some family members that live with them. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm not going to describe the family members because right. I don't want to out the person here. But one of the family members they reside with, or two of them, or something mm-hmm. like that, actually got real deal COVID, right? right? Yeah, they tested positive. They tested positive. They had the symptoms, you know, the real deal stuff. Now, fortunately, everyone lived, right? Mm-hmm. There's no serious health complications, right. at least that I'm aware of. Yeah, as but, far as I know, everything is fine now. But you guys had to scrap the game for several weeks. Well, yeah, and it wasn't even a question of, oh, well... Do we do this? Do we not? It's more like, hey, guys, this is what the situation is. What do we do? Let's talk about this. And so we we kind of said, when did you get tested? And then when did you have contact with these people? Sure. And it's like, okay, so the timelines don't line up in our favor. So that means that we have to quarantine. Not us, but the person who was in contact with their family. And so they did. And so we put it on ice for a couple of weeks and they took care of the people who were sick. And when the symptoms and such went away, everybody got tested. And they're like, we just got all tested. Everything is completely negative. We are all completely clean. And the doctors are saying, you're fine. And go back to what you were doing before. Right. So that's what we did. You know, that, of course, introduces the usual issues we talk about of how do you recover from a game that's Mm -hmm. been off for several weeks. And we're not going to chase that too far. But the point is, this is now a new vector by which this happens. Mm -hmm. No, but we certainly, I mean, many people, myself included, have had to do exactly that, recover their game. So I've gone through my Mm -hmm. current Deadlands game, which I've been quite proud of. We've been playing for a while. And when COVID hit, I guess around March, when you and I got back from Gamma, my group took a brief hiatus. We, you know, we took some months off. We decided to get back together and then just one issue after the other. Mm -hmm. So-and-so's roommate gets exposed. One of my employees at work gets exposed or this happens. Now, for my role-playing game group, only one of my players is unwilling to come and play in person 
because their significant other is high risk. We absolutely respect that. Mm -hmm. And because they've been such a big part of the game, an important part of the gaming group, we all agreed that we're going to set this game aside until we can all play the game. However, everyone accepted that I will play in an online game. I fucking refuse to run an online game Mm -hmm. unless I have to for a variety of reasons. Most importantly to me, the technology is an impediment to proper communication. I can't read tone. I can't read body language. I can't feel the room. I can't see the energy. I I just don't want to do it. I can't run a story that way. I cannot do it. So when you're talking about having trouble reading tone and such, are you talking about no cameras, pure text? or I'm talking what we do on the Skies of Glass game where we've got video, we've got audio, all of it. It just is not the same. There is a technological barrier that I don't mm. understand that I can't get past. Yeah, I, I dig that. But I mean, I can still get tone. I can still, especially because there's video, right? Not, I can still get tone. It, I can still read the room. It doesn't feel the same to me. No, that, is that weird? No, no, no. It just no. doesn't. Like, I, I can't, it, you know what it is? It does not translate well for me as an audience. So, when, I just don't get it. It just doesn't work. When you have a group of people playing a role-playing game, there's a lot of scenes, there's a lot of things going on, there's a lot of people talking, and there's sort of a loudness, energy, aggression, or important things. This conversation's said. alive, Yeah, right? the conversation. Yeah. And the important parts, if everyone's talking at once or a bunch of people are talking at the same time, the important stuff kind of gets pulled out and then it goes in that direction. And you you hear that, or and it can definitely get too loud in person, and you know say we can calm it down, that sort of thing. But generally, people talking at the same time, it works itself out. It, it like filters itself, and there's the flow of conversation. I have found for me in online, when people get excited and that all happens, it is not a flow where the interesting, good, or loud, or aggressive, or whatever you want to call it, filters up. The cream it, doesn't rise. Yeah, the cream doesn't rise. It is a wall of noise. And, you know, there's this whole etiquette about online that we've had since online video games and all that sort of stuff. You mute your mic because if everybody's talking at once, it is just a sound that is coming through your speakers, your headset and hitting you. Yeah, and it's, it's not as omnidirectional yeah. as a room is. Yeah. You know, if Chad is 30 degrees off from Brandon and Brandon is 90 degrees off from Eric and all three of them are speaking... You know, you're you can hear mm-hmm. that in a different way than all three of them coming through both earpieces of the headset. If my character Gil and Brand's character Doctor Poe are together, but it's not our scene, many, many, many times we are leaning over and we are whispering in character in a whisper that everyone can hear, back and forth, making commentary, doing stuff. Maybe it's serious, maybe it's jokey, that sort of thing. While other people are doing their scene. I hope we're not disruptive. Maybe we are probably a little, but, you know, welcome to gaming. If we did that in an online setting, we would either have to do it in chat, do it in a different voice channel, or not do it at all. Yeah. Well, I tell you, that is one of the difficulties I have. Which, again, I want to restate here, too. It's better than nothing. The the Discord channel needs to be there because... We use it for real game stuff, yeah. what we call the real game, where we're passing notes. I'm giving players information or players giving each other information that are meant to be secret. There is some reaction stuff going on, a little bit of BSing, which is fine. I mean, mm-hmm. gaming's not super serious business. But 
it does get a bit distracting because of the speed at which it's occurring mm-hmm. that I can't turn off the alert noise on Discord because I need to know if someone just sent me a real game message. Yeah. But I, as I'm playing, I constantly keep hearing the dunk, dunk, <laughs> right. dunk, dunk. And, and I keep skateboarding looking. and he's got his pants pulled <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah. And every time I look down, <laughs> almost without fail, it is what tenor.com or yeah. tenorgift.com or whatever the hell the website is you guys keep getting your gifts from. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a little bit annoying, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not prepared to clamp down on it because right. well, what am I supposed to do? Take away your ability to express yourself and yeah. have a little fun. And let's talk about some other things that are going on because it's not just affecting the act of gaming itself. Let's talk about this podcast. Our release schedule has not been what it used to be. And there's some of that that chalks up to things going on in our individual lives that are not fodder for the show. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that does chalk up to health issues that someone might have pop up and we have to rearrange or scuttle what we're doing for a bit as one example. And this is something that I am going to say from the medical side, please do not forget two things. One, the coronavirus is typically not dangerous. What we're dealing with right now is not the coronavirus. It is a coronavirus. The primary three viruses that cause the regular good old cold is the norovirus, the rhinovirus, and the coronavirus. Everyone listening to this has had coronavirus many times in their lives. You've just not had this one. Yeah, that's why it's the novel. Yeah, and that's also why I prefer to call it COVID and not corona, because that at least gives a bit of a linguistic stir to it so it people pick it up as something different but secondly every disease that has ever been out there is still out there including other coronaviruses including influenza including noro and rhino and all these other things and we had a spot where my dad and i both at the exact same time like same day or was within 12 hours of each other something like that started showing the same symptoms. We were both running low-grade fevers. We both had a lot of muscle aches. Uh, We both had really strong physical fatigue. And this didn't look like coronavirus. We didn't have the loss of taste or smell. We didn't have the dry cough. We didn't have, you know, some of the other stuff that you're expected to get. But, you know, people present disease symptoms differently. Diseases do not affect people in a universal and predictable way. And so we had to treat ourselves as if we had it. Mm-hmm. My dad right now is doing some part-time work just, you know, to keep himself busy in his retirement at a grocery store. Well, needless to say, he was temporarily suspended from his job. And yeah, rightly so. Rightly so. He's yeah. handling food. He's around people, mm-hmm. right? I'm not I'm not bitching here. This yeah. is and similarly. While I work from home and I work on computers, so it doesn't really matter as much from a job standpoint, I had to keep people from coming over Mm -hmm. because I don't know what I have. Now, my dad, because he worked for a grocery store, he was required to get tested. Right. And once again, he and I had the exact same disease, exact same time, exact same symptoms. And that test did eventually. This was not a rapid test. This took about a week. But it did eventually come back. As negative, whatever it is he and I have was not COVID. Mm-hmm. It was something else. But the point is, with all this uncertainty, we kind of had to treat it like, 
I don't know. Yeah. You know, and if I guess wrong and I give it to one of you guys and you guys are well, unexpectedly susceptible or you give it to someone who is susceptible, mm-hmm. I mean, there's kind of some blood on my hands there. Yeah. And so we had to cut off the show for a while, mm-hmm. you know, until I got through this. And I don't want to out anybody else's story, but I'm not the only host this has been true of. Now, fortunately, to the best of my knowledge, none of the hosts have actually had COVID yet. Correct. To the best of my knowledge. I mean, we could all have it right best, now. The but. best of my knowledge. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we could be sitting. Oh, but well. I, we've all been tested, though, right? I have not. Nope. No. Oh, I have. Mm. It's awesome. I want to do another one. <laughs> I bet. I do. <laughs> I Just have. like doing a rail of coke right up yeah. right up this Yeah, I, I have had nasal probes done for other things, <laughs> but I know I've not been tested for COVID. Mm-hmm. But along those lines, so we're talking about the podcast. Brodor, I want you to talk about what do you think this means for the industry? How many game companies are going to suffer and in what ways? How many game titles are going to suffer and in what ways? Distribution, retail. I realize I'm throwing a lot at you here, but start working us through this. So here's what you're going to find. This is a gross generalization, right? But just as an example, in the board game industry, you're going to go from, yay, I've designed a game and I've got a contract. I've been signed. The publisher loves it and it's going to get into production. It's going to take about 24 months for that board game product to go from contract to the game store shelf. So all of the games that are coming out now, with some exceptions, I'm sure, are games that have been in the pipe for some time that have been in the queue. The problem is, is all of the manufacturing, printing, etc., most of it being done in China, those factories have product from other publishers queued up for who knows how many publishers and for mm-hmm. how long. And then there are plastics factories that have said, hey, it's more important for us to make PPE right. than it is for us to make toy soldiers or plastic bits or what have for anyone who doesn't follow pp is personal protective equipment face masks things Mm -hmm. like that yeah i'm sorry i should have clicked no it's fine so the games that are coming out are very very likely games that have been in the queue long 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 before covid right but everything is getting put on back burner to prioritize more important and essential products. But the other issue is, is that, and for me, and this is just from talking to retailers, there's just no hype, right? Mm I mean, you can't walk physically into your game store and congregate and play games and do demos and have events, right? So that has slowed down momentum in your brick and mortar retailers. But again, I mean, every person who I've spoken to who does online sales crush they are crushing right now nice. constantly constantly crushing i just finished editing the interview i did with tim spakowski from footsore miniatures he runs their north american sales division and he's, he i mean he said the same thing that lucinski from miniature market said every day is like holiday shopping season wow. every single one right and these are multiplayer games these are you see so, yeah, you're, so you're talking about you know, like for footsore he's mm-hmm. going to be doing miniature games that are going to be one-on-one yeah but it's not just miniature gaming i mean lucinski sells everything mm-hmm. role-playing games cards etc 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 the real weird thing is is that watsy did something not too long ago and I probably shouldn't even talk about it because I'm not versed enough. I'm not an expert on the subject, mm. but they did a big product dump, right? They just dumped a bunch of shit 
onto the market. And so retailers who aren't doing well in their brick and mortar stores now have these large bills that show up because Wizards of the Coast decided to dump product into the market. Now, they're not Asmodee's done it, too. I won't get into the conspiracy side of that whole thing, but it's been a big deal for the industry in terms of just the availability of product. But more importantly, and I, we've probably already beat this horse cons, man. Yeah. You just, I, that's what I wanted to ask you is before this really went down full steam, what, right in the early days, I made a prediction to you guys. And I also reiterated it on the show that the lack of cons was going to mean a lack of marketing, a lack of on-site sales, and that was going to have an impact on an entire cycle of the gaming industry, which you could, if you go back to a previous episode, which I guess I'll link in the show notes, you can hear me laying out what that cycle is and how I perceived it. Has that come to pass? Has the lack of cons affected the game industry the way I guessed it would, or was I way off? I think it's too soon to tell, and here's why I say that. Most of your big sales in the industry, you are going to see post Gen Con. So you're talking mid-August, September, and then you're going to have an October lull, and then you're going to get hit by it's time to gear up for the holiday Mm. shopping season. Release schedules, because they were already planned long before COVID, release schedules with the exception of some things being late and other companies ramping up, it's not a whole lot different, right? I think for us, it's going to be next summer, Hmm. right? It's going to take a year at least for us to kind of catch up to the true impacts of it. And I think this time next year, too, we'll know what cons, what small cons survive, what cons didn't survive, what retailers closed their doors, what retailers didn't. I think that the other shoe, if you will, is still looming. And I'm, I'm sorry, that sounds like a cop-out. No, I just, no, no, I think no we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, I just think you, it's too early to you tell. You think it's too early to tell is a very... I, I was also kind of curious, have you anecdotally heard from any publishers or something that the lack of a con season, they feel really hurt them in terms of they couldn't get out the hype. They couldn't. Oh yeah, for sure. So, okay. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to name names and get people in trouble and misquote. No, I'm not asking you to. But yeah, but I have talked to a number of people who have said convention season has been detrimental to us because we're going to lose. So at least anecdotally, it looks like I was somewhere in the yes, right zip code. Absolutely. Okay. And, and again, it's really going to be like any industry. The companies that have the big war chests mm. are going to be able to weather the storm much better than the small companies, especially when you're a one or two person operation and 30 to 40% of your annual sales come from Gen Con weekend. You're yeah, yeah, by the way, Brodor, completely unrelated to that, and then we'll jump back on topic. If you ever want to try and talk me into a Toy Soldiers game, you could possibly do it with the Fallout Wasteland Warriors game because they just released the Enclave. Mm. How about this? So if you How- let me play an Enclave squad. I would do that, but I'll do you guys one better. You don't have to buy a goddamn thing. You don't have to buy a figure. You don't have to buy a piece of terrain. You don't have to buy a fucking rule book. You don't have to buy a goddamn thing. I have all of it. All you've got to do is read the rule book that I loan you and build a team. And we're going to do a fear the brute Frostgrave league, which is basically imagine. Can I play the enclave in it? No, but you can play Knowles. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, Noel, okay. Noel, Noel Beastmaster. His so, look on his face Noel, is so conflicting. He, Noel, it was. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Noel Necromancer, Noel Demon Sun. It's like, yeah, can, can, can we... <laughs> this is like asking your girlfriend or whatever, like, hey, you know, can we do it? And she's like, no, but you can motorboat me for as long as you want. And it's you like... You could have a. You could have your wizard. Fine, no, fine. I hate you, you but you could have. You could have Narl be your team's captain. Narl would be. I don't know. If I can use him. It'd be unfair. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know how the like this thing does points. But like in forty k terms, he'd be like a twenty five thousand point unit. <laughs> and that's that's on the forty k like Titan or whatever it's called. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, that's that's good too. too. What did you say? 250,000? 25,000. 25, and that's at the Titan we, level. If we, we play a 2,000-point game, there's apocalypse games that don't have as many points as normal. <laughs> Asinine. So, good. All right. Yeah, so as long as we're understanding. So who wins in a fight? Gnarl or Unicron? Um. Well, Gnarl's got a Twitter account, so. Yeah, just, I, I think Gnarl would win. Yeah. Because. You get the, you know, the people behind him. and Well, you know. and Unicron in his arrogance doesn't take a lot of smaller things seriously enough. And Gnarl, in addition to being destructive, was actually kind of clever with his destructiveness. Mm-hmm. So I think Gnarl would get in there and find something to cut that would create great problems or whatever. So I'd actually, I'd probably give it to Gnarl. Now, one of the things that people have talked about in the industry moving wow man i just completely lost my train you know we had a really good point and it just (laughs) all right well let me give another off topic and then i'll bridge back into the the main topic which is we've not done a power 16 in a while (laughs) which for anyone who does not know what that was in the early years of fear the boot we would do these sweet 16 type Mm. bracket voting where we put all kinds of characters and whatever yeah, march madness of oh yeah they, there's games. a local radio show host uh, that yeah. does that and like once a week and yeah. so yeah we would basically whittle it down until we had a winner and uh we'd have various games around it and such but i gnarl and unicron would be obvious picks for an updated <laughs> power 16 uh, conan but um i no probably not but <laughs> <laughs> but, wow <laughs> i mean like the he bro- even gave it thought <laughs> he and considerate. Like, and then, not me, I was dismissed. Right. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't disagreed with. You weren't dismissed out of yeah, hand. He I, considered it. He didn't even condescend to right. me. He just dismissed it. Yeah. But after careful consideration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> it was domestic manufacturing. That's what I was thinking about. Right. Okay. All right. So yeah, let's let's talk about the manufacturing pipe. Because you talked about PPE. But there's something else you said that I think we can see in other industries, which is that we're seeing a tale of a queue. Let's look at TV and movies. There were those that got principal hmm, filming. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Well, right. But they at least had some that got principal filming done before COVID hit and simply were touching them up. Maybe need to do a few reshoots, but reshoots can be done with small numbers of people. You don't need the whole crew there. And they can clean those up, get the special effects in there, do the post-production, whatever stuff, and get those released. The Boys Season 2 is an example of this. They've got some other shows that are coming out. Umbrella Academy Season 2 came out. Some of the movies they're holding on to. Others they're putting a release to streaming. I was really upset they put a movie called Greyhound on Apple TV. I'm sure both of its consumers are really happy, (laughs) but I'm not. And... 
you know, it, it strikes me we're seeing the same thing with games, except instead of an issue, we can't get the actors together because of COVID concerns. And, you know, what is the liability issue of possibly having a somebody infect Robert Downey Jr. with COVID or Robert Downey Jr. infecting somebody else with COVID? But you instead have the factory shut down for a while. I mean, even in China, which has probably not been the best at handling this, they shut down the industries there for a little while. Obviously, uh, that created I, a backlog. There's a backlog in shipping. You know, and when I say shipping, I don't mean your UPS driver. I mean the container. boats, container ships. ships yeah. I'm talking the other container. A large amount of cargo comes on domestic air travel across the ocean because all the people in a plane and all their luggage does not fill a plane up. Yeah. Even if you sell out every they, single yeah, seat. They put, they put cargo. Lots of it. In the undercarriage of mm-hmm. the plane well now suddenly nobody's flying or they're canceling flights because it's not profitable to run broder is it your interpretation that right now what we're seeing in terms of releases such as the release of the enclave which i'm all thrilled <laughs> about is probably a tail end of a production cycle and i don't know specifically with the example i'm using but just at least in general concept the games that are still making it to market are either produced domestically it happens but, but it's, it's rare not the industry standard or is a tale of what was already close to done or done before all of this hit i think that's exactly what you're saying because not only is there a waiting for being able to get your shipping container on the boat shipping containers not the ships the container itself is a limited resource mm-hmm. so oftentimes product is waiting in a warehouse to be put on a container and then sits in that container and waits for a boat. But a lot of times you're waiting for your game to show up and there's just no physical container <laughs> available to put your game in to put on a boat, right? Mm-hmm. There's, it, that's what happens. But now they're running out of corrugated board, right? Just basic cardboard for cardboard boxes. Sure. People can't get cardboard. So <laughs> even if your game's ready and shrink-wrapped and, and on a pallet... We can't actually box it sure. and put it in a Well, that, that's something container. I think we need to talk about is when we talk about shipping the game to the U.S. or to Europe or Australia or whatever, right? When we talk about shipping the game out of, let's say, China or whatever it was made, and we're talking about the game being made in China, we are picking this story up in the latter few chapters. Right. Because in order to make the game, well, first you have to get things like cardboard, polystyrene, plastic, printing inks. And all of these things come from other industries and other countries. There is a whole web of all this stuff going way, way, way back. And you to do Adam this, Smith's Wealth of Nations. Yeah. It's it, it, amazingly good. And it explains why a guy or a couple of people in their garage putting together, like, we'll say a board game would cost thousands of dollars for you to buy that board game. But if you have all of these separate industries and all these separate hands putting together a little piece here, a little piece there, a little piece there to where it all comes together actually makes it affordable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you told me to make my own game literally from scratch, it would start with me having to chop down trees, get the wood pulp (laughs) and create the paper. Right. It would just be like you. Well, and even that would begin with me having to get an ax and having to get the chemicals (laughs) and the baths and then those big open boards that they used and like ancient japan or medieval japan or whatever <laughs> to sort out the pulp to make the paper i mean mm-hmm. you see how far back and i'm being a little bit silly here but the point is that there's a whole chain of industries where if the people that make ink can't make ink because they can't get diesel 
for the generator that runs the place, and boom, I, there goes ever, so many industries downstream. Domestic manufacturing in the United States is increasing. There are some companies that they'll make the entirety of their game in the U.S. except for certain components. Like mm-hmm. dice, for the most part, come from Germany because Germany has access to the plastics. They have the plastics and they have the tech to do it. So even companies that pride themselves on being U.S. manufacturers still buy their dice from overseas and and generally Germany. But the issue is, and and I'm not trying to be political, so if this has to get cut or have to shut up, tell me. But manufacturing is not on an even playing field. And until manufacturing Mm -hmm. is on an even playing field, you won't see the majority of manufacturing come back to the United States because we can't dump chemicals wherever we want. Yeah. Which yeah. can't, right? Which is a good thing. Yeah. We can't. Which increases cost. Yeah, it is what it is. We can't poison the air. Yeah. And the only thing that drives me crazy, well, you know what? I'm going to shut up because I'm going to alienate <laughs> people. Right, right. Okay. But there until, are reasons. Yes. Yeah, until yeah. the playing field is level, it's not going to happen. Yeah. On, right, right. on any large scale. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Your general point is well taken that the U.S. manufacturing capability is still there to some extent, and the presence of an abundance of raw materials in the U.S. is still very true. What we did was we, and a lot of other countries did this too, so I'm not, this ain't U.S. bashing, because tons of other countries have done this, is we just decided to export the mess. Right. right. I don't get a paycheck from these guys. I'm not a spokesperson for them, but a game crafter. They do everything in the U.S. You can design your game. You can upload it to them. You can do all your components. You can even have them do your Kickstarter fulfillment. So you could literally never touch your f***ing game beyond your prototype and the work that you do to get it Hmm. produced. Give everything over to them. You pay them your X cost per unit, and they'll even do your shipping to your Kickstarter folk. So it's possible. However, it will be more expensive. So let's get really speculative here. Do you think this is not just going to change the pace of the release of games or or that side of things, you know, marketing, whatever? Let's get down to the personal level. And I want to do it in two ways. I'm going to start by looping back to something we were talking about earlier for ourselves, which is, do you think this disease thingy, this social moment, whatever you want to call it, is going to have a positive, negative, or neutral effect on gaming as a hobby. It depends. Do you think, and this can be in any industry, it doesn't even have to be gaming. Sure. Do you think that large consolidated industries and businesses are a good thing or bad thing? Well, I'm talking about people getting together, right? Because oh, I thought we were talking about businesses. No, no, no. I'll come to businesses yeah. next. Businesses businesses, and do you business think employees we'll, is next. Do you think that we'll ever get back together in person? Uh, well, I mean, obviously some people will, but I my mean, question is, you know, gaming. I am right, so yeah, right, right, right. But gaming was on this enormous surge of popularity, geek chic, all that sure. stuff. And you could certainly argue some of that is still in full swing. Critical Role is not struggling to make so, ends meet. But my my point is, so I have a theory. Uh huh. I have a theory about online gaming, right? And it's a theory. It's just uh, me thinking, and it's it's not even a hypothesis, really. It's not back. There isn't a data. There is no study on this. So I guess it's really just my opinion. Before COVID, there was a very loud, I believe, minority 
that was really trying to push online gaming for for various reasons. Sure. These people lived in small towns or they were introverts or they just didn't have the ability to get groups together. Or, you know what? Pulling from America is a much larger pool than pulling from your little town. You know, so online gaming is great for them. And from what I saw in our community, in other communities, in larger communities that we aren't even plugged into, was this very vocal minority pushing online game platforms, uh, Fancy Grounds and World 20, all this. And again, which is great. That, that, That is not bad wrong. It's just something that I observed. And my thought at the time was in person gaming was not shrinking. I think there was a perception that a lot of people had of, you know, this is the way of the future. This is where we're going. And I'm like, I don't think so. And from what I've seen, and again, this is opinion. I have no data to back this up. Cannot back it up. I perceive that there is a very loud minority. And again, they're not bad and they're not wrong. Well, maybe they're a little wrong. But (laughs) if I'm right, they're wrong. But there's a loud minority who is really cheerleading online gaming. And again, I think online gaming's great. It's on it's it's this is like the perfect moment for it, right? This allows people to game who cannot game. It's great. I'm not bashing it. But I think that there's a lot of people out there who are saying this is the way. This is the new future of gaming. Yeah. This is how we the gaming community is going to game and this is where we're all going forward at. There are game releases that are going on now that are coming out that have uh, like Roll20 plugins as part of the release and all that. And I think that, again, that's great. I think that the vast majority of people who are gaming now in person are just gaming in person. I, I don't think that they're so trumpeting saying, it from the rooftop. You think it's just creating a parallel demographic, not... Right. And I think that obviously more people are doing online gaming. Yeah than there were before all of this, obviously. But I still think that the majority of people who do game, be it board gaming or role-playing games or whatever, because like you were saying earlier, Brodor, your online retailers are crushing it. And that's why I asked, are you talking about in-person gaming? You're talking role-playing books, miniature games, board games, cards, all of it. Across the board. Yep. I think in-person gaming is still happening I think that online gaming has gone up a little bit, but I think that there may be a perception that it is huge, like it's eclipsing something. So my point here, though, is what do I think that the future of role-playing games are? I think the future of role-playing games is the same future it was before all of this. Well, I think the question I'm asking, let me boil this down a little more narrowly. I think that people are going to be playing in-person before it, I think that people are playing in person during it. I think people are playing in person after it. I think right. it gets worse. People are still going to be playing in person. Sure. Okay. And l- let's frame and no this judgment. Right. On well, any let's of that. let's frame this with the very careful caveat that one, we have no data because two, there is <laughs> fundamentally no good data on the role playing right. industry or the role playing hobby. Rather, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the industry does, but you know these detailed market analyses of who's buying games and how are they playing coca-cola knows exactly who is drinking coca-cola and what their demographics are wizards of the coast 
does not. Yeah, I'm sure they have some limited idea. I I don't think. Oh man. Well, so do you have the, an F episode on GoInfo.com? Do no, I don't. Here's here's the deal. They're not f***ing stupid, right? Absolutely. They've not. got goddamn eyeballs. They yeah. know who their demographic is. Sure, sure. Well, they, I'm not. They know. I'm not yeah, claiming yeah, they're yeah. bumbling around in the dark. Yeah. But I'm saying, do they have the kind of data that Chrysler does? On no. Their, no, 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 because they don't have the money to mine. Precisely. That kind of data. All right. So here's my question. Right? But are you? Well, OK. All right. So with, with that, oh, boy, cap- I'm on I'm on razor blades today. Like, I'm going to say something that's going to get me kicked off the show. I got to keep <laughs> pulling back. So let's just speculate here. Once again, accepting we don't have data because the data that we want I'm almost positive does not exist in any significant form. All right. But here's my question with the people that are unwilling to get together in person right now. Mm -hmm. Some of those will go to online gaming. Yep. Some of them will will, drop the hobby. will drop the hobby. And that's my question. If you had to wildly guess do you think the hobby loses some steam, right? That no. whole big curve of geek chic and for I, some reason everybody loves D&D and other role-playing game exists I do and not whatever. Think so. Do you think that the fact that a set number of people, like let's say people, I mean. Like gin content, once this is sure. all over, everybody's recovered, economy's back, we got a complete immunity, coronavirus does not exist and it's been a couple of years later yeah. and we have completely recovered. Will Gen Con have half the number of people going to it? I do not think so. Based on the one but, statement, online retailers are crushing it. But let's let's go a little bit lower than that. And by lower, I mean in age and in scale. A lot of people pick up gaming in places like college mm-hmm. or at high school. But if you don't have students in the school getting together in the lunchroom or the library and spreading this hobby. It's not a problem. There are multiple examples, but I'm going to give you one example of why this isn't going to be a problem. Okay. And you're going to hate it. You will hate it. Sure. And because Matt Mercer exists. Well, I don't hate Matt Mercer, but I, yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Tell us how you don't hate Matt Mercer. Uh, I got much love for Matt Mercer. What I'm tired of is the ubiquity of yeah. D, which I know, great, I know he, he does the run. hobby. He's yes. a cool guy. And I know, and man, people like talking about it. I'll say, and I, and I am <laughs> I aware. I am aware. <laughs> he that, does have great hair. And I am aware that his show does run yep. other games, but obviously their core big product is D and D. And I, I think things like that, not Matt Mercer himself, just as an example is that I don't believe our hobby needs the, college dorm room i'm bored and out of pot let's get together and do something else hey what about this D thing I, you think, no, I mean do you think things like youtube and twitch fill that gap now i don't think that it's 1980 anymore i don't think that we need a smoky dorm room and pizza and some beer to introduce people into role-playing game i think that people are on twitch and they click what's this cool red dragon icon i've never seen that game before wait that's not a video game well why is this chick dressed as a pointy-eared elf from lord of the rings that can get people in. Now. Right. All right. So, you know, I, I think that our avenues of driving the hobby have greatly expanded from the days of a smoky dorm room and a six pack of beer and pizza. I predict on a smaller scale what the hobby saw with board gaming several years ago. Several years ago, this is back when I'm working for the Fantasy Shop Show. It's been a while, but. Board games were always an important part of the industry and were always a good selling product. But 
slowly several years ago, this thing started to build and then the momentum just rolls and board games are suddenly huge. Sure. Right. And it was a backlash to video gaming, I think, mm-hmm. at least based on a lot of the anecdotal conversations that are anecdotal evidence that I have. People, no one game company spent advertising money right. to make this a thing. But, it just happened. But people got tired of isolating in their computers. Yep. I believe that there is going to be a disproportionate celebratory bounce back. When we are past this, I think the industry actually sees a spike in in-person gaming and in sales and in events and in conventions because people are going to be driven mad by being so you're, you're so you're calling and a I'm calling a spike you're calling a Bakian yeah. orgy post lens yeah, because, sort of because thing. we're so <laughs> pent up right we're yeah. so tired of this but the thing the thing that people understand and I'm paraphrasing a documentary I watched recently where people think oh we always adapt to the new technologies well technology I mean it's gone like that, right? In mm-hmm. the last, you know, 40 odd years. Uh, technology For te- those of you at home, by that, he was drawing a, uh, <laughs> a graph, a J yeah. curve. It's just spiked, like in the last, up. you know, in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Our brains are so old, right? We haven't evolved to the point where we can deal with all this technology. And I think that viscerally, instinctively, we just lash out against it subconsciously and want to be animals again and be in the physical presence of other animals. Yeah. Humans are fundamentally social creatures. Even introverts who want to be alone need social contact. Okay. Let me ask one last question. This is where we got to close the show because we need to get chat out of here because he's yeah, got, you, you have to go to work too, don't you? No, no, oh, you don't. He's do. not part of just. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Chad has to get to a very weird, like mm-hmm. middle of the night work meeting. It's, it's kind of bizarre, but point is we need to get this wrapped up. So I'm going to ask one last question. Let's keep this quick, which is obviously there are a lot of people that are in the role playing industry that are not secure in corner office type jobs, right? That is the ridiculous, ridiculous minority. There are a lot of people that are employed either independently or a lot of gig work, a lot, a lot of, of gig work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or maybe they work for a company and they are technically a W2, W4 employee, but they are working for a company that operates on slim margins. And we've seen in the past, because gaming has a crash about every 10 years. And ironically, we've just hit the 10 years, and I didn't even make that connection that except this time, instead of a market cycle, it's a... We just got stepped it's on. Yes, yeah, what I'm calling a social moment. Yeah, this this COVID thing took over society. But what's happened in all the shrinking points in the past is talent has to leave the industry. And they switch over to a 9 to 5, and sometimes they come back later, sometimes they don't. And I could name some damn good talent that I believe is gone from this industry forever. Do you think we are going to see? Now, I, I'll i totally accept there's new talent out there. Right. I'm not saying people are going to stop writing role-playing games. And I'm not saying there's no new talent that will appear that will be as good as or even better than some of the people that may depart. But do you think there's going to be a shift in the types of games that are being made, the quality of games that are being made? Etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because the talent pool will at least temporarily recess. I do not. 
the reason that I do not is that when we get in the production dearth, right? So we've got all these games coming out that have already been finished. There are games that are being made right now or games that were designed, you know, over a year ago that are still a year out from hitting the shelves. I think we might see a little bit of turbulence in the industry, but I don't think that we're going to see a big dearth or drop in product and in sales because it takes so long for the product to get to market, number one. Number two, you have things like Kickstarter and self-publishing. So you already have really good quality product coming out and shitty quality product coming out because people are willing to throw money at it. I don't think that's going to change, right? I think that you're going to you're going to see those people stay in the industry because they have the opportunity to do so between Kickstarter and Patreon and their own websites they can keep their careers alive, I think. Right. Yeah, I I don't think I mean, it is about the impact to the business of whether or not a company is making enough money to retain people and hire on contractors. If a company cannot weather the storm and survive this, obviously they're going to let people go and they are probably going to disintegrate. And that is a shock to the hobby. That's maybe a small shock or a big shock. If, if Wizards of the Coast went down, that's a huge shock to the uh, hobby, right? Well, I mean, but it doesn't matter what you... I'm just talking from a business standpoint right. and the money they put into the hobby and such and, and the talent pool that they retain. It would be a big shock to the hobby behind the scenes. What I saw in role-playing games when we started in 2006 was that there were a handful of really big players. Yeah. And over time, there became a lot of little players. Yeah. Chad is putting more clearly and succinctly what I was trying to say. And I do wonder, I mean, kind of drawing from both your points, if what we might see come out of this is sort of a bifurcation of the hobby, or if anyone's not for that word, a creation of two extremes. I think we already have where what you're going to see is large companies getting bigger as they eat up properties or or talent and they are big enough and well-financed enough to survive a hit like this. A lot of stuff in the middle dying off because it can't survive. And then a lot of small things popping up where it was a hobby or a Kickstarter And as a result, they are somewhat market immune because this wasn't their bread and butter income anyway. Or you look at someone like John Harper from Blades in the Dark. He's a Kickstarter. There were only a couple of people involved in it. I don't know, but I don't think any of them even lived in the same state. Uh, The whole thing was done online. And, you know, yeah, the entire world shuts down. No one can leave their house. You got an internet connection. You can make and sell a game. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd love to discuss this more, but like I said, we need to get Chad out of here. So we're in this one here. Once again, check the show notes for a handful of links to various things. And other than that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.